Well, good evening. Our scripture reading is going to come from Ezekiel chapter 37. We're going to flip over there. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 14. So hear the word of the Lord, coming from Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley, and behold, it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I will put sinews upon you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you so that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, O son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, our hope has perished, we are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people. I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it, declares the Lord. Well, again, good evening. My name is Grant. Um, I'm so grateful to be here with you all this evening grateful to have made it here. That was a little bit in question for a moment. Um, You never know with how the flooding goes. As we kind of are going into, or I guess we're we're already in the Christmas season, but as we're looking forward to Christmas, and and, uh, of course we, we understand that Christmas is this fulfillment of this promise that God had given for so long that he was going to provide a Messiah to his people. He was going to provide a Savior and Redeemer for his people. We see, or or now we we long for the promises of God, but what we see in Ezekiel 37 and and what's happening in the life of Ezekiel and what we're going to look at is what happens when when those promises of God feel very far off? How do we respond when when the promises of God just simply seem too impossible to ever happen? Of course, uh, there's so many promises we see in scripture, but what happens when we feel like there's just no way those promises can be true for me? What we're going to see for the people in Ezekiel's time and and Ezekiel himself is the people of God find themselves in a hopeless situation, in a situation where where they just don't believe that the promises of God can surely be true for them. And yet what we're going to see is that God provides life for them and in turn gives them hope. So 
As we kind of begin looking at this this passage, what I want to encourage you to do is to think about those many ways in which you might feel hopeless, those many ways in which you feel like the promises of God just simply can't be true in your life, the ways in which they, they feel far off and distant, and hear the promises that the Lord gives. So let us go before the Lord in prayer, and then we'll jump into it. Father, we thank you. Uh, that you are a God who, who has spoken to us. You are a God who has given us promises, Lord, that we can cling on to. And we pray that as we look to the life of Ezekiel and we look to, to the prophecy that you've given him, that you can show to us the reasons that we have to put our hope in you and to put our hope in your promises. Lord, we pray that you open our ears and open our hearts to receive your word this evening. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. Uh, when I was in my early 20s, I, was, I lived in California, and I'm originally from Florida, so I would have friends every now and then, they would come over and visit me, and uh, you know, they'd go from one beach place to another beach place, and, and kind of see what California had to offer, and one of the things that I would always do when they would come is I would take them to a fast food restaurant called In-N-Out. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but you know, it's, it, it has quite a reputation, and so uh, they would come, and, and you know, it's, I would tell them what to order, double-double animal style was kind of the, the, you know, the thing to do, and what would inevitably happen when they would come is they would always be disappointed. And it's not that it was bad. I, I loved it now. It wasn't taking them there to make them taste something that was bad. It was that they, they had hyped it up so much in their minds that they had this, this huge expectation of what it would be. That they expected this, this five-star culinary experience. And at the end of the day, what they got was fast food. And if we're honest, this happens to us all the time in the Christian life. We have this enormous expectation, and our experiences fall far short of that. We have this expectation that that God is going to make all things right, that God is going to give us life, that God is going to give us meaning, that God is going to give us a, a a deep community of friendships, that God is going to do all this. And then what happens is our experiences fall so far short. That life is difficult, that friendships are hard, that life doesn't seem to be as abundant as we thought Scripture promised. That in so many ways, our experiences fall short of the expectations that we have. And if we're being honest with ourselves, these experiences cause us to question if God is really going to keep his promises. It's sometimes hard to believe the promises of God because of the mess that our lives are. That God, you have promised that that in you will become more than conquerors, and yet I I seemingly can't conquer this sin struggle in my life. God, you promised life abundant, and yet I can't even get out of bed in the morning because I'm so depressed and anxious, and I feel so sapped of life. Whatever that might be, whatever that hopelessness is in your life, whatever that, that way in which you feel like the promises of God are distant, it's because our, our experiences fall short of our expectations. And surely what we know is that Ezekiel would have felt the same way. So Ezekiel, the the author of the book of Ezekiel, grew up in Jerusalem. And and Jerusalem at the time is at war with Babylon. And then one day Babylon comes and it takes Ezekiel and a bunch of his buddies and takes them captive, takes them away into Babylon. And so they're living in a foreign land where the food is different and the land is different and the language is different and everything is different. And so he's homesick. He, he, he wants to go back, of course, to Jerusalem. And then one day he gets this terrible news. Jerusalem has been destroyed. It's gone. Burned to the ground. The temple is destroyed. There is no more Jerusalem. 
And so he, he would have gone from depression to despair. He would have gone from being homesick to now homeless. There was no home for him to go back to. And it's in this moment that surely Ezekiel would have felt like the promises of God are very distant. If you look back just in Ezekiel 36, you hear this promise that is all throughout scripture. God says, you will be my people and I will be your God. But all of a sudden, God, how could that be true? Your city is destroyed. Your kingdom has been leveled. There is no more kingdom of God. How can we be your people? How can you be our God? But it's in this moment that God comforts Ezekiel by giving him this vision that we're going to look at and showing Ezekiel what it is that he is still going to do. And so even though he's in this place that's a constant reminder that things are not the way they ought to be, things are not the way they should be, Ezekiel and the people of God can still have hope. And so this vision that he shares with us is to give us that same hope. That hope that the word of God brings life to his people and so that we can put our hope in his promises. So that's what we'll see as as we begin. Um, The first thing that we'll see in this passage is that God begins by showing us that the word of God breathes life into us. Even though we are nothing more than dead bones. Beginning in verse 1, it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and, and he brought me out into the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And so immediately what happens is, is Ezekiel is kind of dropped into this prophecy. He's dropped into this valley that is full of bones. And if you're like me, I, I don't have much of an imagination. I can only imagine things that I've already seen before. And so I just, I think of the elephant graveyard from the Lion King. That's, you know, just as far as you can see, there's bones everywhere. In this example, they're human bones, not elephant bones, but hopefully your imagination can pull that together. As far as he can see, it's death, it's decay, it's destruction, it's, it's just bones as far as the eyes can see. And if you're not one for picking up on symbolism, the vision is communicating a spiritual reality for God's people, that they're dead. That the temple is destroyed, Jerusalem is destroyed, all religious life in God's kingdom has been burned to the ground. They are experiencing spiritual death. And that's all that Ezekiel can see as he looks out, is these bones of people, that that death is everywhere as far as the eyes can see. And it, it brings them, this is a theme you see all throughout, kind of, when you're looking at the Old Testament at this part, when the destruction of Jerusalem, this question that people are constantly asking, you see it in the Psalms, you see it in Lamentations, you see it all over the place. It's this question, of, have we finally sinned so greatly that God has abandoned us? Have we finally messed up so bad that God has decided he wants nothing to do with us anymore? That he's moved on, that, that we no longer have any communication with God because we finally messed up that bad. That's a question that that we maybe in in our darkest moments have felt. God, have you finally given up on me? God, have you finally moved on? Have I finally just absolutely done the worst thing ever over and over and over again? Have you finally left me? And this is the question that the people of God are asking. But look at at, at how God responds in verse 3. And God said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And this is an awful response to a question. This is an answer that uh, doesn't answer anything. God says, can these bones live? And Ezekiel just says, uh, God, you know the answer to that. 
And we can relate to why he answers this way. He gives a non-answer because there are really, there are two options. There, he, can, he can trust that God can do anything, right? That's the, probably the right answer. Of course, these bones can live, God, because you are capable of doing anything. But, but Ezekiel also has to reckon with the reality of the situation. I don't know if you can make thing, these bones live because they're bones, because they're dead, because dead things stay dead. We've had this experience uh, probably a lot of times. You know, I, for me, I, I remember bringing home uh, from the fair, I won a goldfish, so it came in that little plastic bag full of water, and the goldfish did not make it all the way home. You know, it did not, make, it did not survive the journey, and it didn't come back because dead things stay dead. And so while God asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? He has to reckon with this reality that God Dead things are dead. And he's, he's facing this question that do we trust God's promises are true when they feel like they're impossible? Do we think that the promises of God can happen when they feel like they are an impossibility? Can there really be life for these dead bones? We see God command Ezekiel to prophesy, beginning in verse 4. And then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So God commands Ezekiel to proclaim God's words to these bones, to to breathe God's words, or to speak God's words, over these bones, and that through that, this will bring them to life. And so we see exactly that happen in the following section, verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and these bones, they came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. So God tells Ezekiel to prophesy, to to speak the word over these bones. And as he does it, these bones start to come together and flesh starts to cover them and and they have breath in them. And and what was once dead is now alive and it's so alive, it says it's an exceedingly great army that as far as your eyes can see, there is life that was what was once dead is now brought to life. And it's this beautiful vision that the word of God is poured out over these bones and these bones are coming to life. That what was once dead has been brought to life simply by the power of God's word. In other words, God's word gives life to his people. God's word gives life to his people. Now, of course, we, we understand this and we believe this, that the reading and the preaching of God's word draws people to know him. It draws people to Jesus. But if we stop there, I think we fail to understand what this prophecy is really getting at. You see, it's a a prophecy, meaning it's looking forward to something. So it's doing more than just simply telling us that scripture is bringing life to God's people, but it's actually pointing to something else in addition to that. 
What we see in in how this prophecy is fulfilled is that Jesus Christ is the word that gives life to his people. Jesus is the word that gives life to his people. If you look at the Gospel of John, you see John picking up on this idea. This happens throughout Scripture, but but John seems to really be in tune with it. He begins his his, uh, Gospel by saying, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And you ask yourself, who is this word? He answers it in verse 14 when he says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, Jesus Christ is the word of God that breathes life into his people. There is no life for the dead outside of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is happening all throughout the Gospels, all throughout John specifically. You see in in John chapter 11 in the story when John brings his friend Lazarus back from the dead, he says this line when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. Hear that promise of God. He who believes in me will live. Church, is it hard to believe that promise sometimes? He who believes in me will live. And you say, I believe in you, Jesus, and yet it feels like life is so far from me. But here's the reality. Our sin has left us as nothing more than decaying bones lying in a graveyard. Our sin, our our trespasses have left us no more than these, these dead bones strewn across the ground. But Jesus Christ has breathed life into us and given us new life in him. Church, if you believe in Jesus, you have been given this life. You now abide in the giver of life. Jesus Christ is the word that brings life to his people. And you might be wondering, we're talking about... Okay, the promises of God, sometimes they seem a little bit unbelievable in our life. Sometimes they seem a little bit far off, like like there's no way that can be true for me. And all we've done so far in in seeing in this vision is that God is giving more promises. And you might be saying, well, okay, that's great. That's a a wonderful promise, but, but how can I know that? How can I believe that God will accomplish that? And that's what we see in the second half of this vision is that, that what God has done is he has communicated to them this promise that, that his word will breathe life into them. That's the promise side of it. But as this vision continues, we see that because God has given us life, now we can put our hope in his promises. That the purpose of this vision is to give the people of God hope. The purpose of this vision is when they are hopeless is to provide them a reason to hope. So where do we see that? He says in verse 11, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Maybe for a lot of you, that's how you feel right now. You feel like that verse is the summary of your life. You feel like we are dead, and we are hopeless, and we are cut off. How could it be that the promises of God are true? when they feel so very far away. And this is what God says, verse 12, Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. We can have hope because we know that we will experience the resurrection of Jesus. 
We can have hope because we know that we will experience the resurrection of Jesus. What do I mean by that? This is not something that we see only in this passage. Of course, this prophecy, this is something that we see all throughout the Gospels. That Jesus is constantly telling his disciples exactly what's going to happen. He says, I'm going I'm to suffer and be crucified. I'm going to be dead for three days, but then I'm going to raise again from the dead. And the disciples don't understand it. They don't believe him. They tell him, you're wrong for saying that. You don't know what you're talking about. They seemingly just, just don't know what's going on. And then one day it happens exactly like that. Jesus suffers and is crucified and, he, and he's dead. And the disciples are in despair. They don't know what to think. They feel like everything they've been doing for the past three years was a lie. They're, they're absolutely lost. Until one day, Jesus, and the third day, Jesus raises again from the dead and comes before them. And when he comes before them, all of a sudden this light goes off in their mind that it happened exactly the way Jesus said it would. And it's when he appears to his disciples again, they know this, that what Jesus promises, Jesus accomplishes. That what Jesus promises, he accomplishes, even if it means accomplishing the impossible, raising from the dead. He proves to his disciples, because I am God, because I am perfect, because I am blessed, because I am holy, I can do even the things that are impossible in your minds. That Jesus accomplishes the things that he promises. Jesus told them exactly what would happen so that everyone could know when they saw it that he had power over death. And so we can believe In every word of Jesus, in every word of God, we can believe in every promise of scripture because we know our God is able to do the impossible. Because God can overcome our greatest enemy in death. Because even the greatest force that we as humans understand is nothing to God. That what God promises, he accomplishes. And we can rest assured, even when those promises seem far off, even when those promises seem unrealistic, even when those promises seem like there's no way that could be true for me, we know that God is able to accomplish it. And we know that he has proven it to us in the victorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, I moved to Norfolk about five months ago now, I think. Um, and so I'm in the, the fun stage of life where anytime you want to go anywhere, you have to plug it into your phone and follow GPS wherever it tells you to go. Uh, and I love GPS. I think it's, it's a really phenomenal invention. Um, I've heard rumors that used to, there were these things called maps. You'd like unfold a thing and um, I would not have made it if that were the case for me. But one of the things, perhaps you've done this, uh, one of the things that I'll do is when I have an idea of where I'm going, you know, I'm pretty sure, but I maybe am, am not exactly sure, I'll still plug it into my GPS just to kind of you know, make sure that I get in the right place. And what happens sometimes when you do that is uh, the GPS takes you on, on routes that are a little bit funny. So it tells you to turn right, and you're like, I don't know, GPS, I think I should turn left here. Or it'll take you through a neighborhood that's you know, maybe a little bit like, I don't know if this is the right place, GPS. Like, I think you might be a little bit off on this. But what inevitably happens, of course, is that as long as you plug it in correctly, uh, you will get to the right place. And maybe even save two minutes on the way that you used to take it. Um, and in a lot of ways, this is uh, what our experience with Jesus is like. 
is that Jesus is taking us, he's, he's, he's guiding our paths, and there are times that he tells us to turn right, and we say, I don't know, Jesus, I think I should turn left here. Or there are times that Jesus will take us through, through an area of life that we're saying, Jesus, I don't think this is right. Jesus, I think I know better than you. I, I think I'm not supposed to be here. And yet what we know is that Jesus will get us to our final destination because that's what Jesus does. We know that Jesus will get us to our final destination, that is, to be in perfect fellowship with him in heaven. We know that he will accomplish that because that's what he does. Because he has promised us in Philippians 1 that he will finish the good work that he has started in us. And so even when our paths don't go the directions that we think they should or not in the directions that we would like for them to, we know that Jesus is control, that Jesus is in charge, that Jesus is sovereign. And so we can trust that he will deliver on his promises, that he will get us home to him because that's what Jesus does. Even when it feels like there's no way that we can have hope, we can rest assured That because Jesus Christ has defeated death, because Jesus Christ has given us life, we can fully put our faith and our trust and our hope in him. Church, I'm not saying that's easy to do. I'm not saying that's something that just comes naturally to us. What I'm saying is that we can look to his resurrection and see that he is able and that he is good and that he is in control. That even when our lives and the world around us are falling into pieces, we know that there is a true resurrection that is found in Jesus and that one day we'll be restored in heaven with our Savior. Verse 14 tells us this, And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it declares the Lord. God tells us that he has spoken, and when he speaks, he will accomplish it. But don't miss this. There's also this this beautiful part of this prophecy that we can understand. I will put my spirit within you. I will put my spirit within you. Yes, it's difficult to have hope. Yes, it's impossible for us to have hope. But we know that God gives us the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to to testify of the good works of Christ, even when we struggle to believe it. The Holy Spirit is a gift to us to believe and trust in the promises of God. And so church, I don't know where you are in this. I don't know what you're experiencing. I don't know what in life is difficult for you. But let me encourage you to keep going because God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. What are some of those promises of God? There are so many in scripture, but, but let's just look. I just want to just quickly look through a few of them. Promises that we know that we can trust. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Church, if you are wondering, if you are struggling to believe, if you have doubts, if you're struggling to think that God has really saved you, he has delivered you from the domain of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of his beloved son. Exodus 14, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will fight for you. Maybe you feel like no one is fighting for you. Church, believe the Lord is fighting for you. 
James 4, 7, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Perhaps you are struggling with a sin that you feel like you cannot overcome. Hear the promise from God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Church, the word is full of promises that God has given to us, promises that we can cling to in times of need, in times of difficulty, because we know that our God has defeated death. We know that our God is victorious, that our God can do the impossible, things that we can't even imagine. This is who our God is. We place our hope not in this world, but in the promises of a heavenly city, in the promises of the builder and the architect who is God. We place our hope in our heavenly citizenship because our passports are stamped by the blood of Jesus Christ. We place our hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ who breathes life into us, who has brought us out of sin and into righteousness, who has brought us from death into life, from the despair of the grave to the hope of his glorious resurrection. The story of Lazarus is our story. That's who we are. We've been brought from death to life. We've been given life in Jesus Christ so that we can know that he is able to accomplish all that he promises. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that you have given us promises. We thank you that you have told us things that we can cling to. Lord, we thank you that you've proven to us that in times of doubt, in times of struggling, we can look and see that you are able to accomplish anything. Lord, we believe, help our unbelief. Give us strength to cling to those promises. Give us strength to live in obedience according to those promises. Lord, give us strength just to look to your word to see what those promises are. Father, we thank you that you have promised these things to us. We thank you that the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, in our lives to to bring us from death into life, to, to cause us to raise up from being dry bones to being sons and daughters. Father, we thank you for all that you've done. We pray that you give us strength to face this day. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen.